I've been nursing a cold all through the weekend and it's not entirely gone today, so we'll just see how this goes. We've been talking about naturalism and about how it doesn't really have a space for God within the universe because material things make up everything. They do everything and God just can't fit in. And there have been some solutions to sort of try to accept that naturalistic framework and find a spot for God, not terribly successful or biblical, but we haven't talked much about maybe the opposite of that, like a pantheism or spiritualism, panpsychism, uh, idealism. Now, these are really live options and um, perhaps just as live as the naturalistic options. And the idea is that God doesn't really need to find a space in the universe because God is identical or associated with things in it. So this plant here, God um, inhabits the plant. God maybe is the plant. The plant is maybe made up of spirit, um, is a product of mind, of God's mind. So it gets a little tricky and we're going to have to try to pull things apart. Hey everybody, welcome to the Sanctus Forum. I am Michael Stewart Robb, better known as Mike, and you are in conspiracy commentaries talking about Dallas Willard's book, The Divine Conspiracy, and third chapter, um, a little section here called The Human Spirit, and as I said, this is the first time I have ever split a section into two videos. There's just too much to talk about. Now, before we get into the second part of this section, subscribe. Subscribe to this channel. This isn't going to be the last video that I ever do here, so subscribe. Stay in touch with us that way. You can also, there's a bell notification. It just gives you a little tiny red dot when you sign into Google. It lets you know that there's a video. I don't know. I don't find it terribly distracting, but... Um, I'm really against distraction, so make up your mind about that. But subscribing keeps us in, in touch here, lets you know things are still fresh. Um, so, like I said, I'm, I've kind of got this cold here, so I'm, I'm not altogether there. But um, we had this bit on spirit and space. I already talked about that in the intro. Dallas is mainly concerned with naturalism, and maybe this dates his book a little bit because today the naturalistic idea is probably equal with some spiritualistic idea, some some form of pantheism, um, and uh, it's it's really not clear who's, who's in control. Um, I suppose sort of institutions are still largely secular, naturalistic, but... Uh, this this sort of more spirit religious I guess version they're they're catching up they're making a lot of headway um, so he's kind of concerned about that and uh, he's not very concerned about the other side of things and <clears throat> so he goes into this section um, here that we're on now the human spirit and he's going to talk about who we are and how we relate to our bodies and I think it's a really um, 
helpful uh, analysis. It's a form of existential phenomenology, and he's trying to explain who you are and how you relate to your body. The climax, the thesis of this uh, section comes for me on page 76. It's very important to mark this paragraph. Now, roughly speaking, this is where it's he's going to sort of give his uh, solution to the problem, which is not really about us and our body, but it is about God and the world. And what he's going to do is basically he's going to compare us to God. He's going to use us to explain to us what God is like. And here's my first thing to sort of note. This is a rather dangerous path when we do this in theology, when we take something in the created world and say, oh, God is like that. And we are in the created world. And so to say, oh, God is like us as human beings, it's dangerous. By dangerous, I mean not that you can't get through it and can't actually do it well. It's just that there are mistakes to be made all around and lots of things that, um, well, you could really get in trouble with. So uh, Dallas's main point is to sort of help us understand what spirit means. And the Bible says God is spirit, and we're going to have to find a way to get some purchasing power on that word. And the trouble is, you can't get to know what spirit is by examining God, because he's just not available in that way. Just, you know, you can't take microscopes up to him or interview him or that kind of thing. Um, and, and the biblical testimony alone isn't going to help. The biblical testimony is what we're trying to understand, and biblical testimony uses words that we have to be able to make sense of outside of the biblical testimony. And of course, the stories and the teachings of it are going to help, but we're going to have to, um, well, it's like this. When the biblical testimony talks about a donkey, um, you don't just read the Bible to figure out what a donkey is. You have to go and look at a donkey or two, and then you can see, ah, okay, when the Bible says donkey, that's what it means. And that's what Dallas is doing with this word spirit. He's saying, okay, let's go look at some spirit, us, and then God says he's spirit and say, ah, okay, so he's saying that he's like us in this way. And what he's doing here, and he says this a few times in his, um, I don't know if he says it in his books, but he certainly says it in uh, in some of his lectures. He's, he's following Calvin here. Calvin, at the beginning of his famous book, The Institutes, talks about there's no knowledge of God without knowledge of self, and there's no knowledge of self without knowledge of God. And Dallas jumps on this and says, okay, if we're going to make sense of what God is saying about himself in the scriptures, we're going to have to have some understanding of, well, self, who we are, what it means for us to be spirit, and that's going to help us understand who God is. Another tie-in with Calvin is Calvin has this idea of God being being a mystery. Um, he's really uh, impossible for us to fully understand, but that God wants to be known, and therefore God accommodates himself to us 
in language that we can understand. He Calvin has this idea of it being like baby babble, sort of, um, and parents talking in sort of baby speak to their children so that they can have a relationship and and bring their children along. Accommodation is, is Calvin's word. And think of this sort of language about spirit, this move that Dallas is, is doing or seeing in scripture like that. God is saying, hey, I'm like you all in that I'm spirit. I relate to material things in a similar way that you relate to your body. That's the point. And that's how Dallas gets through this dangerous, these dangerous waters of comparing God to us. Now here's the um, main main paragraph, and really of this whole section, space inhabited by God, um, this is really what, what Dallas is driving to. I'm going to read it all. Now, roughly speaking, God relates to space as we do to our body. He occupies and overflows it, but cannot be localized in it. All right, that's the whole point of talking about who we are and how we relate to our body is to get to this point and be able to sort of say, hey, here's how you can think about God being here and yet not be sort of just here. Now, there are two cautions that I want to um, present to you. It is hot in here. I am sweating. The first is this. Uh, Dallas is a dualist. It's maybe not clear here, but he's a dualist with respect to, um, well, there being two fundamental types of entities in the world. There is uh, spiritual reality and there uh, is material reality. And these things, um, they're not interchangeable. And he's a dualist also in the sense that God is not identifiable with material reality. In other words, you can't be a pantheist. A pantheist is one who says, um, this is God. This is God. Material things are God. This desk is God. This book is God. They, they mix the two and identify the world with God, all things in the world being God. And Dallas isn't going to have any of that. So when he talks about God occupying an overflowing space, he's not saying, hey, let's be pantheists. He's a dualist. He thinks that there are two different kinds of entities and that they don't sort of, God doesn't mix with material reality. He isn't material reality. He's separable from it. The second thing, uh, caution that is, is in one He's not saying that the world is God's body. He's saying, roughly speaking, God relates to space as we do to our body. Now, I have a relationship to my body that is different from God's relationship to space. Um, you can sever my relationship to my body by killing my body, okay? Um, it's just, I'm kind of linked to this thing in a pretty significant way. Um, now, I believe that I will keep existing even if my body is killed, but I still won't, I won't keep existing with that body. You'll have a corpse and then you'll have me and let's not get into what 
me is left over, but I won't be attached to this hunk of matter anymore. The difference here with God is that he is um, present in this world by choice. I'm not. I'm not present in this world by choice. Every morning I wake up and I am attached to this body. Now, maybe I'll wake up one morning and I won't be attached to this body. I'll have died and moved on to better things. But uh, God is here by choice. And that means that he can leave this entire world anytime that he wants to. And probably the world would not be the same if he had done if he does that, but he's not stuck with the world in the same way that I'm stuck with my body, okay? The mistake that you can get into here is uh, what we call immanentism. Immanentism, let's just write that on the screen, immanentism. Um, the idea is that, that God really is tied to material things. He is in this world and he really doesn't have, I'm sorry, I need to wipe my nose told you I was ill. He really doesn't have a life apart from material reality. I had a theology teacher who was trying to describe this tendency, and it is a fairly big tendency within more liberal uh, theological circles. He talked about it was as if God sort of had a back door to himself and he kind of opened up this back door and God sort of spills out all over the place. And now we have God everywhere. And, you know, God is now sort of in nature and we go into nature and we discover God and God is with the poor and we go and spend time with the poor and we discover God. God is in the art gallery and we go there and we discover God and he's in cathedrals and we discover God and so on and so forth. Um, that's this sort of idea that God is um, attached to these things and he can't remove himself from those things. Uh, he's just there whether he wants to be or not. It's no longer by choice. Well, there are so many things in this book that I, um, or in this section that I want to talk about. I really like to talk about manifest presence. I'd like to talk about incarnation. I personally, this is a criticism of Dallas, I think he goes a little too far when he talks about incarnation and what he does with that word. I think we want to be a little bit more specific about incarnation referring to only um uh, Jesus and God being in Jesus, in Jesus Christ. But um, we'll leave that to the side. The last thing that I wanted to share with you all is this last paragraph. Um, the traditional Christian understanding is that every physical object and every natural law is a manifestation of God's willing. And then he goes on to talk about how that can be so without God needing to tinker with things all the time or be actively um, controlling them. So the idea is God is sovereign. That's a, that's a theological word. He's, he set it all up. He's in charge of it. It's all under his control. But that doesn't mean that he has not given it any relative autonomy is one, one way that you can uh, think about this or that it doesn't have, um, that there aren't secondary causes here primary causes, secondary causes. Um, you know, well, there are. There are things like the law of gravity that God set up. And if you are hiking in the mountains and you um, step in the wrong place and you fall down to your death, God isn't in that moment saying, okay, I'm choosing for the law of gravity to 
uh, work in this instance, and therefore I'm choosing for this person to fall to their death. Um, now, he is responsible on some level. He did set up a world in which um, laws of gravity apply, and therefore if you step off of um, a mountain in a certain way, you will fall to your death. But that doesn't mean that he has to be there making it happen when it happens. This sort of world has what call relative autonomy. It has secondary causes, and these things are at play. And one of the reasons why God set it up that way is so that we have a space to be responsible and where we can, I don't know, try to climb a mountain and be masters of um, the earth in that way and, yeah, have make choices that are potentially fatal, but they're, they're our choices. All right. Well, I think this is another long one. I, I'm thankful for you all being here and um, for writing comments and talking with me about that. Lots to say about this uh, chapter um, or section, that is. And uh, if you actually got something out of it, um, do use your finger and like it um, physically. That helps a lot. And we will see you next time, hopefully, without a cold. Bye.